first reading is taken from Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 to 15. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Continuing in Exodus, the second reading is on page 60 from chapter 4, from verse 1 through to verse 17. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored, like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother, 
Aaron the Levite. I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. This is the word of the Lord. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. So today we're looking at what's called the complaints of Moses, of which there were a few in this passage. So, but before we go into it, the story so far, just a quick recap of the life of Moses as we've looked at it uh, so far in the last few weeks. So, when Moses was born, Pharaoh wanted to kill all the Israelite babies, but uh, the Egyptian midwives disobeyed him and let some of them live. So then Pharaoh ordered all the babies to be drowned in the Nile. But Moses' uh, mother floats him off in a little reed basket and he's pulled out of the water by Pharaoh's daughter who saves him, gives him back to his own mother to be nursed and then takes him on as his own child. But Moses then kills an Egyptian in anger and has to run away to a land called Midian so that Pharaoh won't kill him. He settles in Midian as a shepherd and raises a family whilst he's there. And then last week, Tim told us about Moses meeting God at the burning bush and being called. So this week, we're looking at the dialogue between God and Moses that follows disappearance at the burning bush. But whilst I was preparing for this, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to the Radio 2 breakfast show, as I often do on a long drive to wherever I'm working that day. And there was a, a song that appeared. Have we got any other Radio 2 listeners amongst us? A few. See, I'm mercilessly teased by my family and friends that I'm old for listening to Radio 2. But it's quite clearly God's chosen instrument for speaking to his people in this moment. <laughs> but... There was a song on the breakfast show the other week. They did a world exclusive, a song called Thursday by Jess Glynn. I don't know if any of you have heard of it. It's quite a good song. But the, the premise of this song is that she's singing, that she's decided she's not going to wear makeup anymore on a Thursday as a small act of defiance against the insecurities and self-doubt that she has in her life. That's the premise of the song. And I, I was talking to Steph a little while afterwards and saying, now I've heard this song, and it's quite a good song, but I bet it's going to be really popular because all these songs about insecurities and doubt and self-worth issues really are popular these days because they resonate with what a lot of people in this generation are feeling. And I'm sure there's uh, some psychologists or sociologists that are experts in this field that could give you a commentary about society today and what it's doing to people. But actually, as I was preparing for this talk and reading this passage, I realised that Insecurity and self-doubt is not just a modern phenomenon, but it's been part of what it is to be human for a very long time. We see Moses in this reading today is uh, absolutely racked by self-doubt and issues about whether he can do what God's calling him to do. And often it's not easy to form a connection with characters in the Old Testament who are from a totally different time and culture from ourselves. 
But here today, I think we can all, at some point in our life, identify with these feelings of insecurity and self-doubt that Moses is clearly uh, exhibiting through his, some of his complaints in the reading today. So if we have a look at those complaints, firstly, number one is, who am I? In verse 11, Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I think this is often a question that we might ask ourselves when we feel God doing us, uh, asking us to do something. Say, really, me? Who, who am I to do that? Is, am I really up to it? Or actually, sometimes it just comes out as a, why me? <laughs> Does it have to be? <laughs> and yeah, I think it's quite understandable, the, the self-doubt Moses is feeling. I, I haven't got kids at the moment. I haven't read any parenting handbooks. But if I did go and read them, I'm pretty sure cast your child off into the River Nile and then raise them for a little while and then give them up to someone else is probably not in the, the top ten tips for parenting. And so Moses probably, his childhood has been a bit rocky, so he's probably struggling with a few issues anyway. And then God comes to him and says, right, I want you to do all this stuff. And he's like, really, why me? And I think that's, that's a really genuine question. And um, in Tim's last talk, he spoke to us a little bit about Moses' son and the name he gave him, Gershom, meaning a foreigner residing in a foreign land. I think Moses is actually here really struggling with this identity issue because he's an Israelite, but he was adopted into the Egyptian people. He was then rejected by his native people and his adoptive people. He's had to move to Midian. And actually, he might have just settled here, feeling quite comfortable, uh, quite happy. And now God's telling him to move off again. So it's this question of who, who am I? I've, I'm part of three people, three lands, but I don't actually belong to any of them. And God's response to him in verse 12 is simply, I will be with you. Which I think is trying to teach Moses two lessons, really, there. The first one is actually, it's almost like God saying, actually, Moses, you know what? You aren't anyone. Who you are is actually irrelevant. Uh, I'm not going to respond by talking about who you are, but actually, I'm with you, and that is all that matters. I think that teaches us that what God's calling us to do is key. It's not about what we feel we can or can't do, but it's what God's calling us to do. And actually, what we can do doesn't count for anything if we're walking in a direction opposite to God. But equally, what we can't do counts for nothing if we're walking into God's purposes. And secondly, I think God's reminding Moses that his identity should be rooted first and foremost in God. That's why when Moses says, who am I, God doesn't appeal to... He doesn't say, you're an Israelite, one of my chosen people. He doesn't say, you're part of Pharaoh's family, a high-ranking Egyptian. He doesn't say even, you're a survivor, you survived the River Nile, you survived fleeing from Egypt. He doesn't say anything about Moses. He says, I will be with you. And I think that teaches us that actually our identity should be rooted first and foremost in God. Then we move on to complaint number two. In verse 13, uh, Moses says, he says, if I go to the Israelites and say, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? Now, I'm liking Moses at this point. 
I like people that are logical and straightforward, and he's been pretty logical and straightforward so far. And this is a logical complaint. He's saying, okay, God, I get it. You're with me. But what shall I say your name is? Who are you? I know you're with me, but actually, who is it that's with me? And the way Moses phrases his question, asking for God's name, is actually asking for what kind of new revelation about God needs to be revealed to the people in this moment. And God says to Moses in verse 14, I am who I am. That's what you have to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. It's a bit of a cryptic response. I am who I am. Actually, I think that shows us a few things about God. That he's self-existent. He is who he makes himself to be. He's eternal and unchangeable. He is who he always has been and always will be. And that he's incomprehensible. He knows who he is, but only God can know the depth of his being. He is who he is, but we can't understand the fullness of that. Then in verse 15, as well as bringing a new revelation, God brings a reminder about something from the past. He says, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this is a reminder of something that's already known. Actually, I think it harks back slightly to the promise in Genesis 17 that's given to Abraham that he will possess the promised land. But God also warns him, your people will be in slavery for 400 years, but I will redeem them. And after receiving that promise, Abraham was driven into Egypt because of a famine. Then in the time of Joseph, Jacob and his sons were driven into Egypt because of another famine. But now Moses is being driven into Egypt to bring the people freedom from slavery, to bring the promise of God to fruition. And actually, God's reminding us, the unchanging, faithful God has been with his people through all of that time, right from the time of uh, Abraham, through the time of slavery and suffering, and into this time of redemption, God has been working out his purposes. So then Moses moves on to his third complaint, and I'm still liking Moses at this point. He's still being pretty logical, because in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? So Moses now is saying, God, yeah, I get it. You're with me. I know who you are. But what if no one else recognizes it? I think this is another, certainly for me, this is a complaint I can identify with, because often I'll can go about my business saying, yeah, God, I know who you are. I know who I am in you. But what if no one else wants to listen to me? (laughs) What if no one else cares what I've got to say about you? And uh, in response to this, God provides Moses with three signs. A snake, a leprous hand, and some blood. Firstly, there's the snake, which represents power over the Egyptian government. So these three signs, as well as being wondrous signs that are going to draw people's attention, they have a deeper meaning. And uh, the snake was the symbol that was held on Pharaoh's crown, represents the power of the Egyptian sovereign. And God is saying he is more powerful than Pharaoh. Then next we have the hand, which represents power over disease. Because in Egypt at the time, disease was rife 
and leprosy was thought to be totally incurable. So God's saying here, I have power over what human minds think is incurable. And also, among some of the Israelites, they would have thought punish, um, disease was a punishment from God. So actually, for Moses to show a diseased hand and then healing shows a sign of God, that God really is with him. And next, we have the blood, which shows power over false gods. Because the Egyptians revered the Nile as a god. It was uh, what gave the land its fertility and gave the Egyptians their uh, physical success. And they revered it as a god. And uh, the true god here is demonstrating his power over everything. But Moses is not very happy with those signs. (laughs) Which... Now, now I'm starting not like Moses. Been pretty logical, straightforward. Now he's starting to fall away. Because, well, if I said to God, I need some signs, and he said, staff, snake, Darren would be out of the building right now, for starter, and everyone else who was asleep would have just woken up. (laughs) Incidentally, that's, I think, the top half of broom handle. It's really weird what you have at home when you're looking for sermon props. Like, yeah, go with it. <laughs> so, Moses then complains. Says, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor, of us, nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. As I just said, how eloquent do you have to be if you've got a staff that can turn into a snake? I don't know. He's, he's struggling a bit here, is Moses. But God's still patient with him. And he reminds him one final time that his power will be with him. And actually through the signs, I think when God says to Moses in verse 12, I will help you, these signs show that when God says he's going to be with us and help us, it's not just a passive, yeah, I'll be with you, it's okay, you go, I'll be with you, I'll help you. But it's an active, God will physically actually be actively helping us, not just passively with us. And that's what we need to remember. But then Moses moves on to his fourth complaint. In verse 13, he says, send someone else. And now his logical chain has really broken down, and he's basically got to the crux of the matter. He's actually, I don't want to. (laughs) I've I've run out of logical reasons why it shouldn't be me, says Moses, and actually, I just don't want to. Please, can you send someone else? And I think... Then we hear God is angered at this. And I wonder if he's angered by Moses' lack of trust. Because he's been gently and mercifully working through all his complaints and concerns. But Moses is still unable to fully place his trust in God. But I think before we judge Moses too harshly, we can probably all remember times in our own lives where despite the good things that God's done for us in the past, despite the testimonies we have to stand on, despite the signs and wonders we've seen, we can still struggle to trust in God. But God is merciful, and despite Moses' lack of trust, he still provides Aaron as a solution to the problem. Because actually accomplishing God's purposes is neither dependent on the competence of Aaron or the incompetence of Moses, but in God himself. And he can work to achieve his purposes in spite of our strengths, weaknesses and failures. So overall today, I think we can see from this passage that 
Our identity needs to be rooted in God, first and foremost. His promises still stand over us. He's not passively with us, but instead actively helps us. And we can trust in him to work his purposes, despite our weaknesses and failings. I just want to end with some words that, while I was preparing, I just asked God, what do you want to say to the church this week? And sometimes when I'm preparing, it's just a general theme which works into what I'm going to say. But on this occasion, I felt like God gave me some specific words that were actually to share. And it's interesting as well, I just want to note that um, this was while I was preparing much earlier in the week. And at this point, I had no idea of the news that Tim shared this morning about the orchards. So there was no sense of subconscious bias. This was at least five days before I found out about those events. And I said to God, what do you want to say to me, Gate Church, this week? And I just felt him say, I am your God. I am with you and I go before you. Trust in me and lean not on your own understanding. The path before you may be uncertain, but do not fear, for I know the way. I am your light, your strength and your salvation, now and forever. So should we just end in prayer? Father God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, that despite our own weaknesses and failings, you gently work with us to help us step into your purposes. And Lord, help us to place our trust in you this morning. Lord, to set aside our own notions of our own abilities, but instead to trust that you are able and that you are good. In Jesus' name, amen.